0: This is Reclaiming Yourself, brought to you with FitologyHub.com. How we overcome fears, find our inner strength, and trust ourselves. Now here's your host, Suzanne Keatley.
1: Hello and welcome to Reclaiming Yourself. Today, I am joined by the intelligent, artistic, caring and beautiful human that is Mia, sometimes known as Amelia Kosminski. Mia, let's check right back yes. to when you were, I'm going to say 14. We were talking about
0: exercise yeah. and just kind of not doing exercise for a lifetime. Because I have dyspraxia, along with a number of other hidden disabilities, I've never had issues with the coordination side of it but i have a lot of problems with the system side of it so i don't understand other people's systems so sports and exercise never made sense and when i was younger i once opted out of sports day at my all-girls school and the woman who shall remain nameless was so angry <laughs> about it she made me pick up stones for three hours <gasps> <laughs> <Dear God. laughs> which kind of set this thing against me that from like an early age that it wasn't for me that I was you know other yeah and And that you should be
1: punished because you've chosen (laughs) not to do this thing that was probably horrendous for you in the first place yeah so when you talk about like systems and structure Mm. and Mm. let's take an example like let's take games as an example yeah the system of a game in terms of like the rules and Mm. getting the ball from one side to of a pitch to the other. And-
0: it's really interesting. It's quite a funny way to live your life because I also have uh, photosensitive epilepsy and you would think that that's more impactful to my day-to-day but actually the dyspraxia is by a mile. So I don't necessarily always understand how things are meant to go and why they're meant to go. Like a great example is the washing machine. <laughs> I was taught when I was a child. Yes. And it just doesn't retain at all. So in other words right you put the clothes in yeah we can do that but it's not that it's that my dad early on went all these clothes can't be washed together because they're all different and every fabric's different so there's rules for everything and the rules don't make sense to me so then they're all very confusing yeah i mean the idea that you could bung it all in and do it on a cool wash when i was 24 was a revelation because i was just (laughs) had been struggling but my difficulty was that i'm so visual that I would relate it. The only way to understand it was by the symbols when I was renting in my first flat of like on the washing machine. And then obviously I moved and the symbols were different on the next machine. And it's just living your life in that way. Like when we're in the gym and we're doing a uh, move with Tracy or with yourself and you realize very quickly it's choreography. Mm. And actually it sometimes has to go through a few times before my brain will go, oh, okay, this and this and this. Or even very simply, the one <laughs> that you and I have done and Tracy and I have done, bending at the hip. My mm-hmm. brain just can't not. go, oh, okay, different bend. Yeah, It goes, no, this mm-hmm. is how you bend. And it's so it's really interesting to kind of go through your life trying to follow other people's systems and rules and come across probably as obstinate or needing, or maybe... Yeah on occasion being called stupid because you can't pick up these things but actually it's just that your brain processes them differently.
1: And it's something that we just take, I just take that for granted Mm. I I do do see it when I'm coaching and you change your style and you create different methods of learning within a session as teachers would in a classroom Mm. or hopefully (laughs) I'm sure it's I'm sure with the increased knowledge around this stuff then the skills get better and better but just fascinating and how much I take it for granted in terms of being able to have a system in my, so I've got a system in my head that just yeah. works that I've never really needed, especially when it comes to sport.
0: Well, my mum just told me this story that I have no memory of, but apparently when I was 15, my mental health was incredibly bad and the school was sending me away to go and see a therapist, which is a regular in my life. What did that look like then, me So I couldn't do any academic work. So I was a music scholar and I was am an artist now and clearly was an artist then, which I didn't know. Uh, but I couldn't retain any academic knowledge. And I also, the more and more dejected I felt, I couldn't do the work. Yes. So I was kind of failing work I had a multitude of social problems, whether it was boyfriends or friends, a number of issues. And so I think the school didn't really know what to do with me and I was definitely miserable and it was boarding school the school were repeatedly ringing my parents saying something's wrong with this girl and then so I had this session with this woman who was lovely and then apparently they took me then out to tea and they said well to kind of lighten the mood they said well we should talk about your birthday
1: your parents what do you want to do for your
0: 16th and I went oh no I've decided and I presented them with a folder And everything was labelled in sections. And this is how people will travel from the station to the thing. And my mum kind of went, it became very clear in that moment that when I was passionate about something, Mm. I could dedicate endless time and organisation to it.
1: And create your structure and system around it, your ways of working. Exactly.
0: Which was... I have no memory of this. I remember planning the party, but I don't remember putting any effort into it. I just, it was a list of questions that needed answered to. Because you were a highly
1: intelligent young, at the time, 15, 16 year old, obviously still Mm. are. Um, (laughs) That's (laughs) kind of you. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: But they just couldn't, yeah. They didn't know. They didn't didn't know how. And it wasn't until when I got to university as a mature student at 27. That someone said to me, I, I was excusing all of my behavior. I can't do this. I can't do that because I'm dyspraxic. And actually, I don't know if I've told you I'm dyspraxic. Learned every behavior. Time. Yeah. Every time I was interacting with my mm. tutor. And he very cleverly said, you can't do it yet. Yet. It's such a small word. Mm. But it became so crucial to just go, you can't do it yet. Very much yet. Yeah. Is they it when she underst- started to understand it, that your parents understood this and then were able to support her, was it? They were both brilliant. I think what was interesting is that when I was younger, I have a little sister and she was kind of academic all rounder and I guess less neurodiverse in a way. She, you know, has her own things, but I was struggling for surely at school it was quite clear and I think to a lot of people not just family it just didn't make sense it wasn't clear why and she just firstly is kind of brilliant in the no nonsense element just kind of goes "Was well, not a competition any time I would say anything about well my sister can do this but I can't mm-hmm. and she would go it's not a competition and then just finding I guess in an artistic sense more Rounded thinking, then it's not a linear line for her to get from here to here. We have to think round and go. So, when I had to learn my history, I don't even know what level it would have been, but I know it was the story of Thomas Beckett and Mm. Henry and the beheading in the church. Mm. I know it's that still, however many years later, because she said, Okay, go and get your Star Wars figures, and this Coke bottle is the cathedral and act it out for me and show me how to what the story is and now I think back and I think had someone explained to me that history was stories and was not facts that you had to learn on a piece of paper I just would have retained them all Mm. but no one ever does no they just go learn this You've got a GCSE exam coming up, learn this.
1: Especially when it comes to dates and...
0: I can tell you the story of what happened to Thomas Beckett, however many years later.
1: We don't have time for that,
0: mate. (laughs) (laughs) Although I should make you recount the story,
1: word for word. So, was education at that time was really difficult and really tricky, Mm. Is is that right? And did you have subjects that you did enjoy? Did the, did the art teacher and the drama, did, did they get it right? Like what was the,
0: was it the right approach for you or even that was a struggle? Even that was tricky because mm-hmm. we have this kind of running joke, me and my partner, because he's very similar. But even art... So music was hard because there was music theory, which you have to do alongside. Mm. And ultimately the teachers kind of saved me from that because they worked out there was an equivalent Irish exam board that gave you the same qualification, which was six oral tests rather than five years of learning music theory, which is basically maths. Yeah. Um, and so I got the qualifications, which meant I could go on and play the instruments I was playing. And the art teachers... I think this education system is very tricky because it's structured for the majority. Mm -hmm. But I think if we explored it more, the majority wouldn't be as neurotypical as everyone would like to believe that they are. So when you do art, you're asked to do a sketchbook to show you're working and... Now I do it every day. It's what I do for my job. But it became a thing that had to be proper. You had to do it the right way. Mm. And it had to show you're working in the... Within the the system, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's no, like, development. If someone had said to me, you're trying to get to your end idea, show how you got there. Or... Yeah. Or do whatever you like, but it needs to be something that we can see the evolution, whatever Mm. it was. Um, I think... I would have been able to do that. So the sketchbook theory is really interesting because you kind of go, a lot of people will think that there's a way it has to be done and actually it's hindering a lot of people who yeah. may turn out to be artists yeah, because they can't do that part correctly.
1: I guess it's the same, yeah, for the,
0: yeah, musicians, for artists, for sporty kids and, yeah.
1: or whatever your skill is and then, yeah, you have this theory element to apply. yeah. And actually I remember using those words as a teacher, like you just need to learn how to answer the paper.
0: But Learned also about. then my partner's in education, He's, he teaches at university and your resources are so little and you've got such mm. little time that actually ultimately you're trying to get people through. You're trying to yes. just get them to do what they can do and actually it's very hard to do tailored. The way that it works in education is magnificent but the support isn't always there, mm. um, particularly for kids like me who might kind of slip through, which I then did. You left school without exams. I left school with <laughs> I, did, I left school with three A-levels in art, art and history of art <laughs> and then it that took t- me ten years to work out I was going to be an artist <laughs> um, I was one of two people in my year who decided they weren't going to go to university okay, uh, which was very frowned upon um, and I just kind of was of the opinion because I was so limited in self-esteem at the time that I wouldn't go, I would start working and if I ever found something I needed skills for, I'd do evening classes or whatever. Hmm. And that led me to work part-time in a box office for the best part of a decade.
1: In London? In
0: At the National Theatre.
1: In the National Theatre, okay.
0: Which I recommend anyone works for a number of months in customer service. It will teach you immediately how not to treat people and how everyone is just doing a job and actually you should just treat everyone with kindness consistently or this great phrase that I heard last week, which is never allow anyone to be humiliated in your presence. And I obviously can't remember the name of the person who said it. Mm. But I just, it's so impactful. Because it's not, and I guess it's in your presence, not just by you, right? But yeah. actually be anyone. the defender of yeah people who need it. And that has been hard, I think, because of my experience in throughout life so far. I am generally that person. I am a bit shouty. I mm. do... Make sure that no one is treated badly as best as I can. I obviously have bad days where I snap and get angry. But I think it's really important because the damage that we can do to each other by just saying something that we might think is insignificant is so impactful and Mm. can have major damage along the way especially women I think as well because to a generalization massively but we take it on board more I think than men often do Mm. um criticism of any sort and I think um yeah it's a really great phrase I think to you should never allow anyone to be treated badly around you
1: and i think that's part of the reason i set up photology hub <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is that we can you know as our community grows mm. and there's been lots of occasions where we've come up against it particularly yeah. in terms of language for you sure because i think people are nice people have been through a lot of things and but it's just that language okay. sometimes even yeah it can come out in in a coaching session and it's not directed at anybody it's not yeah. just language you use in your own kind of world and as a group of staff, that's what we've spent this year trying to do. And then is just to really, really think about if I'm having this conversation with you over here. Yeah, mm. there's somebody even listening in. Yeah, exactly. And and actually, it's as important for that person to feel yeah cared for in that moment. Speaking yeah. language,
0: do you know that testerical is a word?
1: Testerical.
0: That has fallen out of society. So hysterical comes from hysteria. Yeah. Which is womb. So it means overly emotional, leading with emotional feelings and testerical is a word that we no longer use which means cold detached leading from testosterone and testes isn't that amazing <laughs> that is amazing and then it kind of blows your mind of how much of our life women's lives is actually formed around i just think that's fascinating how did you discover that my mum's really into language And as such, I'm actually um, my whole family and um, I really love etymology. I think it's really fascinating to know where words come from Mm. and what they actually mean. And I think there are a number of things like that where our society and language has been formed by the things that we've gone through. And actually, for instance, like I have this brilliant book about women in Greek myths and are they all evil and bossy? Mhm. You know, are they, is it all that they were the baddies and, you know, Jezebel was this manipulative woman who, you know, did are they all these things? When you say Antigone to someone, everyone says, oh, but yeah, but she was, you know, well, she was raped by a man. So are we defining her life by the fact that she was assaulted? Fascinating thing that I'm very interested in.
1: There's an amazing book out now that's The, the, the Lost History, isn't there? And yeah. The, um, of women, but The Vikings mm. on Netflix, they've done a... Oh, I haven't oh, is it on Netflix or Disney? Maybe Disney, actually. Mm. And it's to do with the Viking women and yeah. the, the, that lost history. Yeah. And the, the sheer, like, ignoring it. Like, mm-hmm. that's obviously a female pelvis in, yeah. in a grave and... It's got loads of weapons around it, and obviously, that woman was super important.
0: There's a brilliant book that I'm reading at the moment, which is called Humankind by Rutger Brenneman, I believe his surname is. And it's about the kindness of humanity and re looking at history and going, actually, what is what did actually happen what's the context what's the nuance for these moments Mm. and actually has there been disputing facts since and trying to disprove this theory that at the baseline we're all evil like if you take everything away the lord of the flies kind Mm. of thing um i've got very off topic but i no, it's fine (laughs) This tends My to happen. My brain just kind of went I know. Um, but it's wonderful. Not but. just with you, Mia. It, it,
1: te- it tends to happen in here. And actually in every conversation I've had with our members, yeah. this does come up. Yeah. Like I think Midge had studied feminism mm. and she was just saying how This is just it's full circle. We're back we're back here doing this again. But yeah, it doesn't feel like there's been um, much progress and
0: But it is very interesting, particularly at photology. Suddenly realised I've been coming for close to a year and we had a new person join and you know, everyone you could see that they were quite nervous to start. Yeah. And everyone involved was just like, No, no, you'll be fine. You'll be okay. It's okay. Yeah. And you'll build it up and it will take time and it will be great, but actually you don't need to worry this first session yeah. these first few sessions no one's going to go oh you can't do that or whatever it's yeah. a very it's a very supportive
1: environment i yeah. think and that that group then becomes tentative to that person mm. and and to what's going on in the room because yeah. again coming back to you know this whole like gym environment where there mm. potentially could be banter and jokes and this yeah. sort of stuff it's like that's not comfortable for no. the majority of people that exactly. sometimes can be a conversation or a bit of joking between two mm. people but it's the impact on the other people we just had a, a lovely new member who walked in this morning Caroline and um, I kind of ran towards the door <laughs> I've seen her eyes like, a, um, but totally terrified like mm. completely and utterly terrified mm. and it is terrifying when yeah. you step do that I yeah so I just congratulate her for stepping over the threshold yeah, <laughs> getting, getting herself in that door to you know do the first session sometimes that's so it. what I
0: always say is like the hardest bit about coming to the gym is the walk down to the gym mm. or getting up Do you still find there. that yeah. Tough. But my brain kind of, you know, <laughs> reboots. Basically the way that an element of my dyspraxia works is that I can't remember the how things feel in the past and I can't forth- forward think about how they will I will feel about them. So I can only know what I feel like currently. I can't remember that it feels great when I do the gym. So, or, you know, think about, oh, well, you know, down the line, I'll feel this.
1: Yes. I can only
0: go, oh, I'm up and I feel tired because I come early in the morning and I'm up and I feel tired and I feel pretty sad or miserable or whatever it is. And I don't really want to go. But it's the forcing yourself out that is really important. That is something that you have put in place. Mm hmm.
1: Very to much. improve your health it's the same time every week yeah. with the same coach yeah. generally <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yep. I have to stick my nose <laughs> in there Um. everything is the same like there's yeah. not, obviously the sessions change mm. but even within the sessions the and within exercise itself there mm. are patterns of movement and those patterns yeah. are there's about four or five of them Yeah. and they're the very same obviously they feel different and look mm. different and with different movements and
0: yeah stuff. I think the routined element is very good for mental health anyway, mm. generally. And it's quite like therapy. Obviously, it's very different. It's a different experience. But by having a repeated session, and sometimes I don't make it, and sometimes I can't make it. Um, but what it is, and it's the same with my therapist currently, is that she's holding space for me if I can make it. So I have to pay for the therapy because... I do, but I had to pay even if I can't make a session. Mm. And if she's on holiday, I don't. Which has always felt like an unfair power dynamic to me. <laughs> but actually what is true is that even if I can't, she's still holding that space available for me to come then if I wanted to. Mm. And it is the same with the gym. There's logic in
1: that for a lot of people. Mm. like. I struggle with mm. getting myself to a gym because yeah. you're involved in work, or you have a shit day, yeah. or you're feeling crap. Yeah, and the last thing you want to do is, you know, go and smile and be social sometimes. Yeah. And but I think you're right. And the majority of people, by the way, that come for our consultations, mm. you know, they're struggling with the emotion behind exercise and of totally. exercise. And so yes, having that time in the week and what you're saying about that investment as well. Like I have paid for this thing yeah and it's part that's part of the journey isn't it
0: well you also kind of the paid for it is valid because you have to and it's a commitment but it's also trying to allow yourself to separate the payment from the experience because the payment is a commitment but if you can't make it it's very easy to go you know why am I even paying for this I can't make it and blah blah Mm. but actually you are paying for the space for you to be able to do the thing. Yeah, You're not paying for the thing. It's the same with therapy, is how I think about it. That's a nice way to think about it. Because
1: for many people, exercise feels like it should be... I need to get my heart rate up and I need to get sweaty. And if I don't work really hard and get really sweaty, then that's not a good use of my money or my time. Yeah, exactly. And then that's where the battle gets harder, right? Like, actually, I mean, I've just gone and done a session and pushed some heavy weight and just broke a sweat maybe for like one minute, but it was barely and I just, (laughs) but I feel like I've gone and done that thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's powerlifting. So it's, you know, like a short amount of reps. It's heavy. Sure. It Um, it makes you work a bit. yeah, Yeah. And it's, but it's perfect because it's not as intense and therefore yeah. I can come back here and have a conversation and I can work until eight o'clock at right. night and then sort my child out and da, 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 because yeah. we have lives to live and we're all busy and for many of our people we don't have that like I'm just
0: gonna go hot like flat out for an and hour. also space for us, yes. women. Yeah. I mean generalising clearly but... So when I came to see you, I, I'm i now in a very happy relationship, but I was two, three, two or three years out of an abusive relationship that left me with post-traumatic stress on top of everything else. And then the reason that I ended up here was that um, my cousin died. Mm. He was the only other epileptic member of our family. So me and him, the thing that kind of bonded us is that we both had this thing and he uh, died from... Sudep, which is unexplained death in an epileptic person, so which literally means he was having a curry and watching the football, and one day he died after a seizure, which is uh, just baffling to deal with, mm. just Im- almost impossible.
1: That's only about two years ago now.
0: A year, this a because you came about a
1: couple of weeks after he. I had think, died. yeah,
0: I think I was probably here a within a week, week. Okay. and I think because. It is something that, obviously, with it being unexplained, I am of risk for. Yeah. But you want to give yourself a, your best chance, I think. And it got to a point where I was a former smoker. I had poor <laughs> lung uh, control. and I mean, it's not great nowadays, but uh, I... I wasn't fit. I sit at home. I, I, my work is very strange work. I'm, I'm a visual artist, but a lot of it means I'm screen based. So I'm yeah. at home. We had a new puppy who I loved, but my partner works out the house and I work in the house, self-employed. And what that meant is I never leave. And I actually, in fact, got to a point where I didn't have any time to myself And at that point, we're, you know, coming out of the lockdowns and my therapy was at home still. And I literally never left the house Mm. to the point where everyone was slightly starting to get a bit concerned. And I just was like, I actually not only need to get fit because of Charlie, because that can't happen to me, but also I mentally need something. Yeah and even if that walk is the hardest part of coming here it is still you know a half an hour walk here the session and a half an hour walk back that is just my space yeah. that has nothing to do with anyone else yeah and I think there are there is a degree to which and a l- lot more interesting people have said it much better than I but women have such a running as we call it in our house a cat molest so a Catelyn Moran list of to-dos that Uh we just constantly (laughs) are adding to. And that even when we are doing our own things, the list is still running. And I think there is a degree to which, and this is a generalization, but that men don't experience that in the same way, that running list of things. And so we don't ever get a break, and that's the quite nice thing about coming here to a female only gym is that there are a lot of people who also understand that that's going on in their head all the time and they also just want a break. Mm. And that break could be moving your body. Yeah, It doesn't have to be, you know, having a coffee or something. It could be doing something small for an hour a week. So what's on your list of things to do? Using the washing machine? (laughs) Um, I think, I mean, in life or in in here. In general, go on, in life. What's on your list? Oh, my (gasps) to-do list. What's your to-do list? I think it's kind of exhausting. I think I find that in the running of our lives, we also, as nurturers generally pick up the running of our family's lives as well i find myself consistently worrying about my work my life my wedding planning my we're moving house in august my house move but my dog but also, yeah. all of my partner's stuff as well. Yeah. So I kind of keeping track of all the things that he's got to do because he's equally as neurodiverse as I am, mm. and our focuses are very different in terms of focus ability. Rightly or wrongly, there's a mm. number of things he's never asked me to do, but I <laughs> uh, constantly am kind of going, oh, "Okay, so then he has this, and then I have this, and then we've got to do this together, in this weekend, and and so, for instance." this weekend we've had a number of things and for the next four weekends we have a number of things and I think if I let it my brain would keep doing that months in advance. Does that stress you out yeah massively yeah super overwhelming incredibly exhausting and I have severe anxiety um at which I've had since I was at school yeah that means that I am constantly trying to prepare for everything so that nothing's going to fall through the gap
1: so how what like I I describe almost describe it as a
0: block what do you put in place to try and control that to try and I have a really great support system but I also have to get to a point where I over the years, living with mental health problems that either are a result of the hidden disabilities or coexist with them, uh, I start to notice certain behaviors in myself. So, for instance, again, my mum, I don't know why she's come up so many times today, but <laughs> she used to say, You could tell the state of my mind by the state of my bedroom. So, if it just was a, a pit, Of stuff everywhere to the point where I would sleep somewhere else because I couldn't deal with the mess. Yeah, you knew something was up. And nowadays, I find that I find if I really can't control everything—not control, not in a controlling way—but like control my space, make it a calm, nice space for me to be in. That I feel chaotic. Things have got too much. Mm. I just need to find a way to reduce that and bring it back to i guess a center level yeah um which is hard it's a hard thing to do and i guess by putting things in place like you said your training
1: and your therapy Mm -hmm. and seeing family i guess that's the stuff that helps you Manage. and boundaries and boundaries I think.
0: yeah boundaries is really interesting i think people are really reluctant to them because they want you to fit with how they work that's generally how it is people are wonderful and people are just doing their best but they also are doing their best in their story so they want you to fit in how you how they work mm. and i think when i left my previous relationship I very much started to reevaluate what I considered to be good treatment of me. As someone once said, I, I am, it's my best and worst feature. I can forgive anyone anything, but also usually at the detriment to myself, so any mm. form of bad behaviour. And I started to reevaluate what that looks like and what I accept as good behaviour and go, actually, I don't work well unless there is a plan and it really stresses me out if I have to spontaneously change that plan Mm. with no notice because then I can't be prepared for the eventualities of what might happen and that makes me more anxious. So I don't really do that anymore. And I started to change the rules of how I interact with everyone, with people I work with, to just go, you want me to be my best self. If you're in my life and you want to work with me or be my friend or be my partner or family member, you I know you want me to be my best self mm. and this is what I need to be that. Tell us about work. <laughs> what does your work look like? You're a visual artist. I am, yes. So I work in uh, light sculpture, video projection and uh, photography. And it is really about it has become about slowing life down to find the beautiful moments Mm. and whether that is a piece about mental health or a four ton revolving piece of steel Mm. that was just so i had a piece that was in the london mayor's city lights festival in february which is thanks very much which was this uh piece about the brain so it has neurons cut into a steel drum that turns as you pull the rope and it projects the lights of the brain onto the space around it and it's four tons and suspended in the air. Wow. Have you got a studio? Uh, I have my office in my flat. And how then do you go from your office in your flat to mm-hmm.
1: a four-ton massive ball that's hanging and suspended with lights? and?
0: Yeah, so Celestial Brainstorm is a really interesting piece. It's again about knowing what you do best. So when I was at university as a mature student, I went to Guildhall School. And when I was there doing the video design degree, I got very caught up in all the things I couldn't do. So I couldn't do the technical. I couldn't understand what cables does what and what does this, but I could have the ideas and they were great ideas. Mm. And when I left, and I think it's to do with my partner, who's a production manager, there was very much this kind of, well, why worry about that stuff? Because there are other people who that's the best thing they Aye. do. okay. So you, oh, I'm never going to be the person in their shed making it by myself by hand and doing it all and putting it up myself and all of that. Yeah. What I need to do my work is I usually, it's usually me in my studio creating the idea. And then I have Can a Can I just ask? Yes. Is this like pencil and paper? Is this on a computer? Is this... It usually starts off pencil paper, then it becomes iPad drawing, because I've got fancy in the past year. (laughs) Um, Okay. And then, but a lot of photos, a lot of mood boards, a lot of references. My Instagram is like a good kind of collation of my brain. And then... um, Tell people what your Instagram is. Oh, it's uh, my name, Amelia underscore Kosminski. Cool.
1: We'll put that in the show notes. (laughs)
0: Then I hire people, or I have a few people that I go to, and they are predominantly yes people. I'm not very good at working with technical people who say, oh, no, that can't be done, mm-hmm. because I, I find that really irritating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it does not has to be done, but kind of be more mad kind of go Mm. well what if we did this yeah and so my partner always says my studio should be called what if studio (laughs) because I you know there was a there is a time there is a long running project of mine which is how do you suspend rain in time which like we are developing a way but you have to to start that conversation yeah usually starts with most people saying well it defies the laws of gravity so there aren't many ways Mm. and you kind of go yeah but if you were going to do it how would you do it and what that usually begins is a long-running conversation where you kind of go okay so if this wasn't a factor what would you do and then you start people's brains whirring of going, Oh, well, if I was if that wasn't a problem, I would do this. And that would lead to this. And then you go, okay, so we go down that road of if this wasn't a problem, how would you do this? And then it ends up going, Okay, so how do we deal with that problem? And then you go to the best person who knows about that problem and you go, So we need to do this. How do you do that? And so what happened was that no. Artichoke who run um Lumiere Durham commissioned this piece of work, this idea that I'd had of a a four-tonne revolving piece of steel with neurons cut into it. Called the brainstorm. Yeah, so Celestial Brainstorm, kind of reclaiming the word brainstorm. Yeah. Because the Epilepsy Society, I think in 2010, they did a (laughs) survey of their epileptic members to see if anyone actually found this term offensive, and 98% of people said no. So all this you can't use brainstorm because it's offensive yeah. to epileptics. I'm not speaking on behalf of everyone, but no. Is not. Okay. So, so reclaiming so the word. So reclaiming the word. So I had this idea and I drew it and to give it an amusing example, which is hard to do without demonstrating it visually, but I drew this piece of paper and someone looked at it and the image that I'd drawn and said, Oh, well that's twelve meters across and but part of the dyspraxia is that I have no concept of distance yeah. or space or any of that so I was like oh okay 12 meters of steel <laughs> just <laughs> was like fine. kind of was like yeah that's sure that's what it is and it wasn't until someone got a that's six flat. meter <laughs> yeah, like they got a six meter theater rope and threw it across a hallway and went you're saying that's half of it that I was like oh god no that's much too big but would have con- absolutely happily continued down the line <laughs> with twelve meters. But yes, yeah, so then I, so then we developed that and did a lot of lighting tests, and then through Artichoke, we went to steel makers and rope makers and uh, riggers who are the most important people because mm. they can fly magic in the air <laughs> and I'm sure I'm forgetting a huge number of people but a- basically quite a large team of people came together because they're the best at what they do and you should always credit those people when yeah. you credit do your work and the technicians particularly because they never get the credit but Without that I would. I always think you know it's that thing about actors w- who I love actors but saying without, without all the people around them they would just be someone in the street mm. shouting words yeah. to totally diminish that but you know you need the people around you to make the magic happen
1: your adult artistic life yes. has been quite short yes how have you become so successful so quickly I don't know do
0: people just seek you out how, how does it how does that happen my course that I did which was called the video design for live performance course was entirely when I did it was an external course so clients came to the degree the students created the work and then we worked with professional clients to deliver their show but we were students. Yeah, um, And so after doing a few shows with them, which were for the BBC Philharmonia Orchestra in Blackpool and Wadden Manor in Aylesbury, we did the projection on their building. Um, this brilliant man called Gerard McBurney approached the school because he needed a video designer for a show he was doing at the Barbican, which ended up being a seven-hour video design where the video didn't repeat at all. Mm. So it had to be entirely new work. Because I have a musical background, the guy running the course knew that I wanted to do something with music, so paired us up together. And because the course is about teaching you to develop your professional work at the same time as being a student, we worked as though we were working Wrecking. together. Mm-hmm. And then off the back of that, I have done two more shows with him subsequently. My first show after I left was for the Queen Elizabeth Hall for the Philharmonia Orchestra. Wow. And then uh, I did a piece in for Sir Simon Rattle and the London Symphony Orchestra in lockdown for their lockdown series. Wow. And... I think I try to be quite male about it, which is a bad thing to say. But I saw this wonderful thing by um, a CEO in America, a female CEO, and she was doing a talk, and she said that she was hired to do a kind of TED, um, yeah. but for corporate leaders. Yeah, and she was the one they really. She was headlining. Yeah, and she sent her fee in and it was accepted and they booked two other ceos men and she was taken aside at the end of the event by the people from hr so i don't know if they are meant to do this but i'm i'm grateful that they did because she's then passed it on subsequently yes but they said look we just have to tell you when you send your offering we thought you were joking because it was so low and you were the one we really wanted. And we also had these guys as well who were great, but you were the kind of headline act. And I, it's going to make you sad to tell you, but their offers were three times as much as yours and four times as much as yours, and we paid it. Fucking hell. Because she yeah. she was putting in what she thought she was worth. Yeah, and this is a really, really, really common story. Mm-hmm. And so she says what she now does, which I think is so brilliant, is that when she's asked... Um, what her to do a gig, she says, What's your budget? And we are, we as women, generally again, really generalizing, but aren't great at dealing mm-hmm. with money or talking about it or asking people, or believing that you deserve it exactly. And but what you we're do like with it, we like, glad you- to be asked to be there. Yeah. So we're kind of like, yeah. Oh, okay, thank you so much. I'll yeah, do it oh for yeah. nothing and I'll do all the work for the experience. And, you know, thank you. Yes. So, so kind of you. <laughs> um, but she now says. And she's obviously a CEO who's incredibly well experienced in her life, so I'm not saying that I do this, but she is asked to do a thing and she says to them, what's your budget? And they tell her what their budget is and she takes a breath and then she says, I'm usually double. And then she breathes again and then sees what happens. And there's this thing about job applications or open calls like I do at the moment where women will wait until they fit like 80% of the criteria to apply. And men generally, most men, I know a few who don't, but like most men will do it on 20%. They think I've got this and this. Yeah. And I think there's a degree to which whatever has come so far has both been luck, working together with people collaborating with people repeatedly Mm. privilege I would argue very much you know I know some people who work in this world so that's helped me yeah but also to a degree being a bit male about it but also like coming back to our conversation about Mm. black and white yes so
1: for you (laughs) in your world you do have an ability yeah to be black and white so now you're like you've got this technique mm. tactic that you can apply yeah. to money and opportunity now i suppose exactly and it it's this or it's this and you yeah. that person then has a choice to offer well, what's or not the offer?
0: worst per- thing that someone can say i always think is like the worst thing mm. that someone was, can say is no yeah and then that's fine the answer is no yeah. and then no just dis- decision is ever final it's always usually negotiable yeah so you can make it work in whatever way that you need to make it work. And it's understanding that people and contracts and you know whatever, it's not finite and frightening. And as much as I spend my life frightened of things, but yeah. like people are people. That person who's yeah. hiring you, that person who's doing a job, they're all a person. Mm. So if you can reach them on a human level or a relatable level, or just treat them nicely as a human, you are likely to get further in life.
1: Mia, what instruments and what kind of music
0: do you play? I used to play six instruments. I was meant to do music. <laughs> That's why I laugh. Um, so I, I play the bassoon, the violin, the piano. I'm a grade eight singer. I wow. am, I compose music. And the ocarina, which always makes everyone (laughs) laugh. (laughs) Um, But I haven't done most of them for a long time because I got scared off them, is the truth. Wow. Really? so when I left school I thought I was thicker than most and I've yep. you know, treated myself like dirt and uh, subsequent life experiences haven't helped and now I've spent a long time building myself back up but I think you um things like that things that you love that if they get demeaned or you feel less about yourself it takes a while for them to come back yeah and you
1: can I mean you don't in this case forget mm. that's quite a significant mm. skill that you've just uh, <laughs> left well. sitting for a while but um, I went back to knitting recently Did you? We, Amazing! We knit, yeah and I was like it just brought a massive smile to my face yeah. because this I had to like look at YouTube and like yeah. you know learn some stuff relearn some stuff but, but, it's but my hands started to thing. just do the thing yeah. and all I could you know I could see my Nana's hands yeah. knitting like exactly like her the skill that she applied mm. and then the difference when I I, I can change the look of it yeah. to see my mother's hands.
0: Exactly. And,
1: you know, it's quite amazing. It's lovely.
0: That's the thing, is the, these skills that we kind of pick up and you realize so much stuff is kind of absorbed into. You. So, anyone who's done any form of training session with me at Photology Hub will know that <laughs> I just sing my whole way through the thing. It's the only way I get through. And music is a huge part of my life. But I don't utilise the skills that I have anymore. Like I spent my entire school career dropping academic subjects to do more music. Right. It factors into my work now because a lot of the visual work that I do needs music on the side. But it is considered to be a side part.
1: Yeah, and it will come more. It would be interesting, won't it? Reclaim it more and more.
0: Maybe, hopefully. And then photography, what kind of photography do you do? I used to be a portrait photographer. I was a wedding photographer for one summer, which I don't recommend anyone does, <laughs> only because the realisation when you get there on the day that if you get it wrong, you've ruined someone's yeah, you've memories for life.
1: <laughs> it's Best too high life. pressure.
0: But um, nowadays, I, it's mostly um, either my work or my social media, which is uh, when I say it's like a, it's kind of like a photojournalism thing. It's mm. observations through life someone once said them all of my work all parts of it is the peacefulness that i'm constantly trying to find in my mind which oh, i think is was nice. a very perceptive and terrifying observation yeah. of kind of going oh okay yeah i am making work about allowing yourself to take a moment to observe something be- beautiful or have something peaceful in your life yeah. for a moment to just be calm or just be... Even or if it's be, like a video yeah. for 10 seconds of some yeah. flowers yeah. or something. Yeah. And actually they are very astutely correct that yeah. my brain is so tricky sometimes mm. that my work is trying to give people that piece.
1: And it's quite amazing, isn't it, that, that all of this neurodiverse mm. Stuff mm. is coming out in your work, you know. Yeah. That you're living, you're living this
0: and breathing it, and it's just—it's a privilege thing, though. I yeah. think because I, mm. I think it's really important to acknowledge your privilege. And yeah. I am a disabled person. I am. I consider myself to be a disabled artist yeah. uh, by a number of different things. <laughs> but I, to meet me, you wouldn't think that I necessarily was because I don't have a physical disability Mm. and hidden disabilities are often not taken as seriously but it is also to a degree a privilege that you have it's not a happy privilege but it is one where it's not on you all the time Mm. and that has pros and cons in lots of ways but I think it's important in the position that I have with my work to talk about it because actually I am epileptic I am dyspraxic I have severe anxiety and pretty bad depressive phases and I'm most likely autistic mm. and actually if you can be the voice of that or a voice going actually let's represent these people because mm. there are a lot of us out here neurodiverse people who have a bunch of stuff and aren't you know in that kind of 1940s way of thinking the same person yeah. you know clones of each other you don't really know what people have going on with them everyone's got their own thing that they're dealing with and if you can represent that and speak about it people feel more included mm. and therefore feel able to impact that further down the line yeah and you're somebody
1: who you are happy to speak about mm. it but there could be you know eight out of ten people who what? that you know, yeah, and potentially feel a Well, you've grown up with that, haven't you? The, the yeah. almost the shame of it, and or or
0: not, I don't know. Is that, I is just that the would right? like no one to go through the yeah. horribleness the that pain. I've gone through. Yeah, yeah. Whether that's you know talking about like emotional abusive relationships, or you know, yeah. it's just time for another podcast. But you know, <laughs> maybe that's whether yeah. it's that or whether it's sometimes you just need someone to go i have this thing and it looks like this Mm. and my life has been hard because of that yeah but now i'm all right Mm. and actually there if someone hears that who isn't comfortable talking about it but goes oh god it's not just me i'm not alone Mm. then that's the most important thing then my job is done you told me that you used to roll (laughs) i did yes (laughs) i did what age are you I think it was an option at my school that I went to. Um, I wasn't very good in a team because I couldn't understand the system of the rowing. Yes. Which seems quite simple, one would argue you... Row forward and back with. I don't know. Arms. You have to coordinate what's going on with exactly. the person in front and the person behind. Exactly, them. and if there are four of you, it's just a mess. So, um, but single sculling rowing for the period that I did it until I was asked to leave was the most peaceful thing you could do. Oh wow! You could hold you on. Were, what age were you then? Fourteen to fifteen. Yeah, probably fifteen, sixteen. I stopped. I'd say.
1: So for you, in that time, when you were on your own in the boat, was your most peaceful, calmest... Totally. And yet, you were asked to leave.
0: (laughs) Yes. It was very interesting, because you could... I mean, you're not meant to, because it's not very safe, but you could put your iPod on, as was at the time, iPod on, and go down a river and row Mm. for two hours and uh, but I think I wasn't interested in competing and is that yeah so
1: you were asked to leave the world of
0: sport yeah not the activity
1: well what of I did role, subsequently
0: yeah. which will I'm sure annoy everyone I, I'm i very dark humoured so I laugh about these things but yeah. there was also there was an option called pioneering which literally meant the Duff kids like myself or my friends who all subsequently joined because they realised what a cop out it was um, and <laughs> Were asked, we went to a boarding school, it's right to acknowledge that, but we were asked to clean the grounds or build a shed, like kind of manual labour, which is perfectly fine and it was great. But I left to do that because I just was like, sport clearly isn't for me, so I can rake up leaves for two hours. Mm. Or I can, well, you know.
1: And and this is the, the, the m- almost mistake, isn't it, at mm. school level, is that we are creating a sport rather than let's movement. do physical movement and find the thing that you enjoy doing. Yeah. And it's all right to not like some stuff. Totally. But let's find the thing that you do do. Yeah. So I really hope that you get in a row- rowing boat
0: very soon. <laughs> I don't soon. think I will do that. But what has always <laughs> intrigued me about coming here, because what happened is in in addition to Charlie, is that in lockdown, I have always had body image issues mm. since I was 10. And in lockdown, I think in a way that a lot of us did and none of us have really subsequently talked about a lot is that we, in observing our daily life from a really insular level, we critiqued ourselves Mm. and everything that we do because we were locked in and my partner and I were locked in a studio flat, so a room and a half. And I really got into an incredibly unhealthy body dysmorphic space and what I ended up doing before coming here which was kind of a slow process to getting here I think was I changed my social media entirely so I deleted all these people who made me feel bad and I started following a lot of people like um, who were kind of body neutral Hmm. movement of going or people who advocate for people running because they want to, but yeah. not because you want to complete yeah. a 5k or That's whatever. It's not about weight loss, it's, it's just, just about is, moving yeah. your body. Yeah, and in doing that and then coming here, it has entirely, not entirely, mostly switched my point of view on my body. Yeah, where I've been on a number of restrictive dru- diets oh, since yeah. I was 10. Ending with the dreaded Noom, which is a farce. And um, when was that most? When was Noom? Noom was 2020. There's a much more educated person on this than me called uh, Dr. Joshua Woolrich, I think he's called, mm. who talks about it. But they sell themselves as a psychology driven, app based uh, diet program. But they're not psychologists. They are trained at a business called Noom University for a year and then they leave with accreditation and then go to work for this app. And it's incredibly restrictive mm-hmm. and it's much more about, I think, particularly with this exercise that we do here and the community that you've set up and involved everyone in what has been created is an acceptance that people don't have to look a certain way and you could just be wanting to move your body to move your body yeah it doesn't mean that you have to be a certain weight or you have to look a certain way or you have to do a certain thing you just you eat what you eat because it makes you happy because food is fuel clothes are fabric to fit your body you are not designed to fit the clothes Mm -hmm. if you need to size up you need to size up you need to size down you size down and if you want to come to the gym and move your body that's fine yeah it doesn't have to have a goal attached to it
1: and it's just a much healthier way mental health wise yeah that actually i'm just going to go and do this thing that feels really
0: nice yeah And then if I have other goals, then I can just one step at a time. And you might not have time to do the other things. No. You know, we talked the other day about doing one of those powerlifting things and courses on the weekend. And I was, part of me was like, actually, I know I can do this because I'm quite strong. Mm. And then the other part of me looked at my diary and went, for the next three months, I have no time. Yeah. And so it's allowing yourself, forgiving yourself, or as my partner always says, because he's great, um, be kind to yourself. Mm. Like, don't just be kind to other people. Yeah, be kind to yourself. And how about let yourself off the hook? Yeah, for not being able to do all That's the things because you're busy. Because you have, life, you you have, have a life. Because you have
1: responsibilities. And 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 when it comes to the kind of fitness message out there, there is a lot of messages around this has to be the all or nothing, and you have to train five six times a week. Yeah, when actually.
0: The, That's not healthy you, either. For a whole year, yeah.
1: you have consistently, mm. ha, like, bar a handful of times that mm. have been out of your control, uh, consistently shown up and moved your body and yeah. felt nice about that, and trained with more or less the same people yeah. throughout. Your
0: your buddies, <laughs> yeah, think exactly. Who are your buddies? Uh, we have Emily, Emily Natalie, yes. and Natalie. Rosie's the new addition. But there have been other people along the yeah. way. In but it's, it's always yeah. a version of us, yeah, with Tracy.
1: Yeah. He's great. And that can be it. Yeah. For now. Like that's fine. And yes, you'll get an invitation here and maybe I might make you go and row at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have any time at the moment. We'll do it in winter when it's fucking freezing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Um when it comes down to that simple message of yeah, it's like hard for a lot of people to just walk to the space.
0: It's, it's all the same thing though. If yeah. you think of everything we've spoken about today, whether it's art doing the sketchbook or music but have to do the music theory or Mm. the gym or all of these things the underlying factor is they have all been until now and until you set the boundaries and until you change what you accept or whatever they have all been things that can be done if you're also doing this competitive part or this other part as well that you have to do you can't just enjoy something mm. and actually stopping changing if you're even if it's physically being stopped yeah as i have been on a number of occasions with my brain Maybe by a seizure, mm. maybe by you know whatever reason, a doctor telling me to quit smoking, or whatever reason it mm. is of going. Actually, I want to just do it because I enjoy it, and I don't have to compete, and, and you don't, don't have, have to be to, good at it. I don't have to be the best. No, I but you don't even rubbish. have to be good. Yeah, you can be. But you're just you're doing just it. being. You're, you're just, just doing giving it, it a earn, go. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And it's actually. That is down to the coach. That's what the coach is there for. That's what the teachers are there for. That's the is to find a way
0: Can't to help you
1: and support you Can't, to get yeah. there.
0: Yeah. Can't do it yet.
1: Mia. Thank you so much.
0: Not at all. Much. It's been a
1: treat. It's been amazing. And just a pleasure like to get a little look inside your brain. <laughs> <laughs> look behind the curtain. And and I hope like it'll help definitely helps me support people um, and become a better coach amazing podcaster (laughs) so i hope it supports you too so thank you so much
0: reclaiming yourself the podcast brought to you with fitologyhub.com if you enjoyed the conversations please use your podcast app to follow or subscribe for free